Dr. Pastor Dan. We learn that Jesus desires to be the king of, of our hearts and that we learn to look forward to his soon return. And today I, I just want to talk briefly to you, I promise it will not take long, about the subject of the greatest gift ever. And uh, before I do that, I have Pastor uh, Brad over there helping me out. And we have been over the weeks, we, we lit the first candle, which was hope that we were encouraged to enjoy the light of the hope, light of hope, and then the second week was uh, peace, that the Prince of Peace is here, and uh, the third week was uh, the candle of joy, joy to the world. We as a church uh, proclaimed that together, even last night. Last week, Dr. Dana lit the candle of love, that just celebrating how his love fills our hearts and lives, and today, Pastor Brad is going to light the final candle, the Jesus, the Christ candle which represents light and purity. And we light this this morning, celebrating his coming to us as a baby, but we also light it in great anticipation of his second coming. Can I get an amen? I was watching a basketball game a week and a half ago. It was the Lakers and the Celtics. It's a rivalry, I think, still. Back in the 80s, it was definitely one, but I was just kind of sitting there watching it, and the commentators that were sitting on the side, the court side, began to talk about this subject, and it kind of got my ears listening. They said, what do you get LeBron James or a Michael Jordan? What type of a gift do you get them? You know, somebody who has it all. And they start talking about cars and homes and islands and they're going through all this stuff and the game continues and they start commentating on the game again. But then all of a sudden Mark Jackson, who was one of the commentators, finally speaks up about a couple minutes later and he says this. He says, it would have to be a personal gift. When it's LeBron James or it's Michael Jordan, he goes, it would have to be a personal gift. Maybe sit up in my chair because I get that. A personal meaning to them. It made me sit up in my chair because I get that. In my 56 years of living, I have received gifts throughout my lifetime. And and the ones that I really do remember from money, whether it was very little or a lot, the things that I remember the most is is who gave me that gift. Is everybody with me on this? I I, I think of that. It's something that stays with me because the gift meant something. It's not just the fact that the gift meant something to me, and I want you to capture this but that the gift meant something to the giver as well. That's the beauty of it, that they, the giver, had thought it through, that this is the gift that I want to give you. I love how God did this for us. I love that how God sent an angel. I love how in the story we read about this, and he sent an angel to go and take the time to explain this gift. Even to Joseph himself. Saw it a little bit in the video here, talking about that. But, but here is Joseph, this man that has all of a sudden learned that his soon-to-be wife is with child. And he's already thinking about breaking off the engagement. He's trying to figure out how, like, do I go out of town? Do we get her out of town? He doesn't. And so, so the angel goes to him and has a little bit of a word with him. We find this in Matthew 1, 20 through 25. We're going to be skipping through a little bit. And it says this. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Tells him about the prophecy that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Can we all say Emmanuel? Okay, you just said God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, and he gave him the name Jesus. Jesus, 
the greatest gift ever given to us from God, that God, he, he himself had made this personal. It was his son to Joseph. And now you have the angels who have gone. They've gone to Mary. They've gone to Joseph. And now they've gone to the shepherds. Pastor Brad kind of opened it up a little bit. And I want to talk a little bit more about this. They're not just ordinary shepherds. Many scholars believe that they were Levitical shepherds, that they were shepherds under rabbinical watch or under care. They were also known as shepherd priests. And just what you got to have to understand is, is that in the land of Israel during the time of Jesus, there were thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of shepherds from the borders of Lebanon to the borders of Jordan, down to the borders of Egypt, that throughout the land, there are thousands of these shepherds, but they go to these these that are near Bethlehem, in between Bethlehem and, and Jerusalem. These were shepherds that bred and raised sheep, looking for lambs without blemish, to be used for temple sacrifices, especially for the time of Passover. Guys, there is a writer, he was a Jewish historian called Josephus, you've probably heard of him. And he wrote this right here, that every year, approximately 260,500 lambs were sacrificed at the temple during Passover. Just during Passover, almost 300,000 lambs were used. So you have to understand that these Levitical shepherds, this was a year-round, full-time job for them, keeping watch over these lambs. Look at this in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. Now, the original language for abiding in the scriptures is, is that they live there. The archaeologists have found, uh, uh, the, they have found the facts that most of these shepherds actually built lodging onto the back of where they watched the sheep. It was a part of their homes. When you see the words keeping watch that are up, this is actually that they're constantly guarding term. It's literally saying that they're constantly watching, that they're constantly guarding. Just 2,000 paces from the fields of Bethlehem was a place called Migdal Ader. Migdal Ader was first comes up to us in Genesis. Then it's prophesied about in Micah chapter 4. But Migdal Ader was known as the watchtower of the flock. To this day right now, many scholars believe that in Bethlehem, just 2,000 paces away from the fields, is where Migdal Ader was. Where they believed, and possibly believed, that Jesus himself was, was uh, born. So here are these sheep. They're taking care of these sheep. They're looking for sheep that are without blemish, whether they're female or male. If they're female... Those lambs would be given as a peace offering, basically to assure communion with God. Now remember, this is before Jesus. Then you have the male sh uh, sheep. When they find one that was without blemish, that was for atonement. I don't have a lot of time to talk about atonement, but you guys, basically, in a nutshell, it was to, a lamb was sacrificed to pay to be released from that year's sin. Can you imagine living in a time that once a year you could go and have your sins released? You see, when they found a lamb to be without blemish, they would immediately wrap their legs and bodies in swaddling clothes. And they, they would, to protect them from injury, so they would wrap their legs, they'd wrap their necks, their, their bodies to keep them protected. And then, to protect them from this injury, they would put them in a stone trough. Now guys, the original language is, 
manger. I love the wooden mangers. I think they're pretty. You can see through them. You can see palm trees around them. You can see the stars and, and the moon and everything. But, but, but in reality, where these sheep were kept, where Jesus was born, was literally in a cave, in a stone trough, in a manger, so that they could protect for anything that would cause those lambs without blemish any harm. What a visual. And they give them one of their mangers to if they couldn't find a place in the inn, they go to a shepherd's house and they give them one of their mangers to go down into. And there they are. Jesus is brought into the world. Mary is sitting there. And they look around and guess what they see? Swaddling cloths hanging. And they grab them and they wrap their son in these cloths. Now getting back to the shepherds. You guys look at this in Luke chapter 2, verse 11 through 12. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. Now, check this out. The, the angel actually starts to talk shepherd language. Look at this. You will find him. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths. Shepherds are like, I know what that is. I know, I, know, I know what that looks like. I know what that's used for. And lying in what? A manger in a stone trough. And they'd know, they would know exactly where to begin looking. I'd love the deep significance here that these shepherds responsible to watch for the arrival of these spotless lambs, flocks destined to be offered as sacrifices in the temple. They are the first to receive the good news of the Savior's birth. These shepherds who, who were to first hear the angels' praises, lambs to be gifts for the temple. Jesus comes to us as the Lamb of God to be the greatest gift ever for the people. Can I get an amen? amen. Guys, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have them put this up here because I, I think this is something that we need to just like really rejoice in. Here it is. The, basically, the angel was saying this to the shepherds. You are looking for a blameless lamb for the temple that removes sins for a year. Now get up and go find the lamb of God that will take away your sins forever. Isn't that good? The real lamb of God had been born. The real lamb of God that would take away sins was not these physical animals that they would watch in the field. These are Levitical shepherds. These are shepherds under rabbinical claim. And for the first time, they are going to proclaim something that no one had ever proclaimed before. That the Lamb of God, the greatest gift ever, the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world has been born. I love how God's revelation of his gift is unique to every individual. I had some time to speak with the young adults this past week, and we talked about that. We talked about how Jesus is unique to us, to every person. I remember when Lori and I, this is not even in my notes, so you're getting this for free, okay? Lori and I, when we first got married, I thought, oh, man, look, we've been, we dated for three years. I know what she likes and whatever, all this kind of stuff. So I would go out at Christmas on the first one, and, and I bought her this, uh, this outfit that I thought she could wear to work. Well, she opens it up, and she looks at me like, why did you buy me this? You know what I mean? Well, I thought, okay, well, I learned. So the second year we're living in San Diego, I go back out for Christmas, and I buy her another outfit thinking I've learned. And, well, guess what, guys? She didn't like that one either. So for the past 34 years of marriage, we have made a deal that we will just wait, and we will go with each other and buy each other what we want. Makes it easy. Come on. Unique. 
It's a unique gift, you know what I mean? So anyway, can we all agree that when we think of God's gift, the gift of Jesus, that for the people who are represented in this room, that when we think about Jesus and what he has done for you and what he's done for us, there are going to be different meanings to each of us. Some of us, when Jesus came to our lives, we were delivered from addiction. Some of us experienced healing. Some of us, for the first time, found our true identity. When Jesus came into your heart, maybe some of you are sitting out and say, that was when God became real for the first time in your life. That you were able to love again, that you actually had hope for eternity, that you had a reason to live. And for some of us in this room, for the very first time in your life, in a long time, you were specifically given to each and every one of you. Greatest gift ever given was specifically given to each and every one of you. Given to you for your greatest need. That's the beautiful picture of that. Now, I'm going to have the worship team come on up, and we're going to bring this to a close. And while they're coming, hey, can we give everybody that did music today, can we give them a hand? Yeah, come on. Amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I want to share a scripture with you that I don't know how many times in your lifetime you have heard the scripture used on Christmas or for Christmas. But it's found in Romans, and Paul, let me tell you what's going on here. Paul has written this letter to the Romans. And in chapter 5, he is literally talking about the gift of Jesus. He's talking about this gift. And you can look it up in the NIV, the, the New King James Version, the ESV, the TPT, all these other ones. But there is no translation, as far as I'm concerned, that really shares the gift that Paul was talking about, like the message. And I want to read this for you. You guys, read along with me. It says this, but Adam, who got us into this, also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it. So what's going on here is Paul's saying, you remember Adam and Eve? Well, they touched the tree, they ate the fruit, and they put us all in this mess. That's what he's referring to. But yet Jesus has come to get us out of it. Yet the rescuing gift, what a great way to say it, is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin put crowds of people at the dead-end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between the death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. The verdict on, on that one sin was the death sentence. The verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes? Sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift. How many of you receive some presents? Or somebody hands you a gift, it's too hard to open. How many of you are going to open presents later? Well, when somebody hands you a gift, it's two hands. You just want that gift. If it's a special, and, and here it is, he's saying that two hands, this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus Christ provides, here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all in this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. Come on. Yeah, let's put our hands together. That's a beautiful, beautiful reminder that as we celebrate Christmas, we are reminded of this astonishing fact that God gave us the greatest gift ever. The greatest gift ever given this wildly extravagant life gift 
and it's the gift that keeps on giving. Here's a truth bomb for you. Jesus lived, he still lives, and he's gonna return for us one day. We know God's gift to us because there's relationship there. So this is what I wanna do if I have the ushers can help me out now. We have ornaments, uh, Brad, usher team, buddy. Good stuff, man. We're gonna be handing you an ornament. They're gonna worship here. They're gonna sing a song while this is going on. And I just want you to hold on to them and I'm gonna give you instruction. But what you can do while you're waiting is tie the little knot on the end of these ornaments, okay? You guys are gonna have to participate. I didn't wanna tie them all. So you get to tie your own ornament. If by chance you get a Santa Claus, come on, don't judge, all right? Just, be, just, just go along with us. I tried to take out all the Santas, but you guys take these and we're gonna worship together. guys listen to this right here I want you to take a pen if you have one and I would like you to answer this question on the back it could be one word a couple words or a small phrase and it's what gift 
am I going to bring Jesus today? From you, it's your specific gift to God. If you need to be seated to do this, that's fine. It can be your home. It could be your heart. It could be a family member. It could be an individual that you want to stand in the gap for. You could be say, Pastor Matt, today I want to bring, I want to give my business to him. I want to trust him with my finances. It could be something specifically about you. Maybe you're going to read your word more this year. Maybe you're going to give more time to God. Maybe it's you giving your awe and your wonder back to him, letting go of an addiction. What is your best? What is your best that you can give him today? Maybe it's your marriage, your kids, your future, your promise. Maybe for some of us, we're ready to say yes to Jesus this morning. There is no wrong gift. It's from you. It's from your heart. Let's worship just for another minute while you're doing that. say amen well this is what we're going to do I want everybody just to if you can if you're physically able to do this we're going to do two things I'm going to have you just come up bring your own ornament and you're going to put it on the tree somewhere and then after you put it up if you don't mind if you're the first to come down just go ahead and start standing on the stairs right here because I want everybody to be able to be down here together at the end and then we're going to pray over these that we put on the tree so come on up just leave your stuff your stuff is safe Bring your ornament and then stay down here with us just for a time of worship and prayer.
on the stage. We've got plenty of room up there. Come on up there with them. This is great. Just be on the floor right here in the front. It'd be great. room. I'm going to get down here. Got a few more here. I think this is the biggest harvest choir in harvest history. So I think we would be doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't sing together. The words will be right up here on the on the top for you. Lead us in this, Will and uh, Joppy. Let's sing together real quick. Sing it out. Harvest choir. Come and see, come and see, we sing it. Come and see the things we prepare the way for you, Lord. Oh 
Come on, behold him. We Come on, sing it out. Come and behold him. Hear your people sing, Jesus. Joy to the world, a hope is given. And we'll adore him. We've come to praise. Come and adore him. For unto, for unto us a Savior is given. He is the Son of Heaven. Behold. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise, you guys. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, so this is what I want to do. This is what we gave our best, not just for Christmas. This is going to take us into 2023, what we're believing for. So if you don't mind, you're comfortable with this. Why don't you point your hands toward these trees, to, to these ornaments, of these requests, and we're going to give these to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the greatest gift ever, your son Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done for us on the cross, that you are risen and you are one day going to return for each and every one of us. But Lord, we have brought you a gift. We have brought you our best this morning, what we're believing for. And no matter what it was, there's no wrong gift here, Lord, because we have brought it to you. It's from the giver. We're, we want to give this to you. And Jesus, we're asking for your help. Lord, bless us, anoint us, give us favor, give us strength, give us courage, give us the ability to say yes what you want us to say yes to and to say no to what you want us to say no to. And so, Lord, we lift up your name. We say the name of Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. We say the name of Jesus because there is no name above your name, Christ. And, Lord, we're asking it to you and we're trusting you. We're asking you to take this gift, Lord, as we give it to you and we're trusting you. We give you all thanks. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus together. Let's give